Good morning, Glad Tidings. How many of you are excited for the good news next week, January 7th? I'm excited. How many of you are kind of scared, kind of nervous? Okay, Pastor Walt's not going anywhere, don't worry. <laughs> All right, well, it's, a, it's my honor to share with you the Word of God today. Uh, thank you, Pastor Walt, for trusting me, uh, the kids' pastor, to share the very last message of the year. It's uh, a lot of trust. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, I, uh, I'm the kids' pastor here at Glad Tidings. I serve underneath uh, Mickey Graff, who's our kids' director, and I serve with the kindergarten through fifth graders. Uh, it's such a joy to, to pray with them, to, to praise God together with them, and just to raise them to be a, a spiritual champion. That's my goal. Um, and we have a great team of volunteers, uh, team members, team leaders on our team. If you're on a kids' team, could you just raise your hand? We just want to give you some love. Can we give them some love today? Thank you. Um, today, uh, we're going to do, uh, continue in our series on Luke. We're going verse by verse. So if this style is a little bit different for you, um, just, uh, get used to it. This is how, uh, when you read the Bible, you go verse by verse and regardless of what you, you want to hear, regardless of what you are hoping to study in the Bible, when you go verse by verse, he just gives it to you straight. He just tells you what you need to hear, regardless if you want to hear it. Um, so today we're going to look at a, uh, story about, um, someone in the Bible who is probably the least talked about from the Christmas story, uh, his name is Simeon, and a young lady named, uh, actually old lady, named Anna. So uh, today, if, uh, feel free if you want to say amen, if you want to clap your hands. Uh, I have a student section over here. If you want to yell something, yell something. Yeah, Jackson. <laughs> uh, feel free to, all right? So uh, today, uh, we're going to start with uh, the reading of God's Word. So if you would stand with me, stand with me. We do this in kids' church sometimes. We get our wiggles out and just stand with me as we read. If you have a Bible, if you'd open it with me, we're going to turn today to Luke chapter 2, verse 21, and we're going to read all the way to 40. We have a lot of ground to cover. All right. So Luke chapter 2, it says this, and when eight days had passed, everyone say eight days. Very good. Before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Because it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord from Exodus. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, the sacrifice was a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now we see Simeon in verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, or he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, or was led by the Spirit into the temple, in other versions. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, he took him into his arms, blessed God, and said this, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. He is a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, 
And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And these last three verses are about a gal named Anna. And there was a prophetess, Anna. Can you guys say Anna? Who? The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years. She's very old and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84. So she was either 84 or she was 84 years a widow. She never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. The child continued to grow and became strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let's pray today. Lord Jesus, we welcome your presence in this place. In a, in a deeper way, God, we, Holy Spirit, we, we want to become um, more like our Savior. We want to become more selfless, God. We want to become more loving. Lord, today, I pray that you'd humble us, help us to look at your words. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to us something that we need to hear today, right now. Something that is very specific to us, not just the general room, God. But I pray, God, that you would just speak to each heart. Help us to respond with action today. Uh, just like Simeon and Anna did. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. You can have a seat today. All right, you guys brave the cold. Thanks so much for coming today. Uh, some of you, uh, have any of you ever prayed away the cold? Have you prayed it away? That doesn't work. There's, <laughs> there is, there's a story. Uh, my wife told me not to share this joke, but there's a story about... Uh, um, a lonely guy, and he was walking on the beach in sunny San Diego. He came from the Midwest on vacation, and he's, he's just walking, and he's deep in prayer, really spiritual guy. And he said, Lord, would you just grant me one wish today on my vacation? And then the Lord appeared, this cloud shone over his head, and, and the sun was blocked, and the Lord with a deep voice said, yes, I will give you one wish, just like I gave Solomon. So the guy's like, you know, I would really love to have a bridge to Hawaii. How many of you would love to have a bridge to Hawaii? Man. So he said, God, I would really love a bridge to Hawaii. And God's like, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of hard, man. You gotta, you gotta have these steel poles and the ocean. Hey, how about you think about uh, something else, something more honoring to, to me? So the man thought for a little while longer and he's like, Lord, I would really love to understand women. I'd love to understand why they cry randomly. I'd love to understand how they feel. I'd, I'd love to understand why they say nothing or, or say, why don't you pick? And then they get mad at what you picked. He's like, I'd really love that, Lord. And then God stopped. He's like, do I answer his prayer? He's like, hey, how about that bridge? You want two lanes or four? <laughs> Anyways, we can, we can try praying the cold away, but it's not, it's not going to work, guys. I'm sorry. There's a reason for it. All right. Well, our message today, everybody, will be uh, titled Hashtag Goals. If you have notes, just write down. It's like a, like that. Hashtag Goals. Um, we're going to talk about taking action. Can you guys say action? Action. When the Holy Spirit uh, reveals something to us, we write it down in our journal, we draw it, we tell somebody. He requires us to have an act of obedience and action. The Bible says that God does not desire sacrifice. He desires obedience obedience. He doesn't care about your willpower, doesn't care about how cool you are, your talents. He wants obedience, just the simple small things. And we're going to see that with Simeon and Anna today. Um, if you guys have uh, your, uh, I was going to say journal, in case you have a journal. 
um, we have the bulletin. Um, in the bulletin is a little sheet of paper. I just want to make sure everyone has one before we continue. There's a little sheet of paper in there. We're going to use it at the very end today. So if you don't have one, can you just raise your hand right now and ushers, if you could pass them out. Ushers, are you still back there? You cool. All right, cool. We're going to use these at the very end to uh, write some New Year's revelations, not resolutions, revelations. Okay, so just keep your hand up. We'll pass them out. Thank you, ushers. Okay. Well, I just want to let you know, first of all, that I'm more of a, uh, there's a thinker and there's a feeler. I'm more of a thinker. I don't know if you can relate to me, but I, c- I can sometimes seem abrasive, sometimes kind of rude. At church, I can, uh, I'm more friendly because, you know, God just got to change my heart. Uh, I'm not putting on a show. I just, I just love people and, and he's changed me in that way. But, um, a thinker can be someone who just thinks about the facts. They just want to get to business. They don't care about the casual small talk. They just want to get to business. And if you feel like that, you're a thinker, you're thinking about it. Cool. <laughs> All right. And the feelers, I know you're going to raise your hand. Uh, there's a feeler kind of person. And these people love casual conversation. They love to know the details, how you felt, what you were wearing, what kind of shoes. The rest, he's already raising his hand. Uh, how many of you are feelers? Cool. All right. Well, I, I just want to let you know up front that I'm kind of in the middle. And the way that God speaks to me is through feelings. And sometimes it's through thoughts and plans. So I don't know how about how God speaks to you, but he may speak to you in a feeling, in, a, in emotions. In, and he may speak in just some practical plans. So I want to give you just a little bit of both as we see Simeon and Anna have both today. So, uh, we're going to start today uh, reading from a uh, from the first couple of verses. And uh, today, since we're talking about action, I just wanted to be uh, kind of transparent with you. Uh, we like to make these like goals. We like to make these plans to change. And I made one a couple weeks ago, and uh, it didn't go so well. I uh, I decided I want to be closer to God. And I wanted to pray more, and I wanted to read the Bible more, and I wanted to, to worship more. And I don't know about you guys, but I tend to do this a lot, and I'll say, God, I want to get closer to you, and I'll make this extravagant plan. I'm going to wake up early, God. I'm going to start this reading plan. I'm going to, I'm going to go to this prayer meeting. I'm going to do this, and then all of a sudden, the plan doesn't turn out how it's seen. Any of you ever do that before? I know that I do that so much. I, I probably do it like five times a year. I just want to uh, get closer to God. And that's okay. But uh, uh, it was maybe uh, three weeks ago where I was just sitting there. I was inspired. I was, my thinking was going. My feeling was going. And my feeling side started to, to sense what the Holy Spirit was saying. And it just impressed upon me. I, I felt it strongly that God was trying to compare his relationship with me to my relationship with my wife. And he said, you know, my, my relationship is, is important. And if your relationship with your wife is important, I can tell that you, you schedule time, you make dates. We have date night every Tuesday night. And he's like, well, why don't you do that for me? We can schedule some time together. That's, that's okay. Uh, one of my uh, mentors from a distance, Craig, Pastor Craig Rochelle, he says, if you don't schedule the important, the urgent will overtake the important. So I, I like to, so he was basically telling me, hey, schedule some time with me. So I was like, oh, that's a good idea. I was like, well, God, what time, what time is a good time? Because I'm a thinker, right? There has to be a good strategic plan. So I was like, well, mornings, I don't like getting up. I was homeschooled, so I slept in until like 1 o'clock. Um, so maybe when I get up at like 2, I could do it. Um, but maybe, maybe at nighttime would work because 10.30 is maybe a good time to do it. I'm done with my work day. Uh, basketball games are over. There's, 
uh, I can just relax. There's not a whole lot of interruptions. Every single day, 10.30. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So I wrote it down, this extreme revelation, thinker, feeler, going, one at it. And so the next day, I just jump right into it. I'm ready. So I'm, I'm praying, uh, worshiping for 30 minutes, 10.30 to 11. Boom, got it done. Next day, boom, got it done, 10.30 to 11. The next day, we buy movie tickets. And it just so happens the movie is at 8.30. So, huh, what do I do? I care about my relationship with God, but this movie's at a certain time. I'll just pray later. And you know what pray later means? It means that oh, I'm kind of tired, and I'm going to go to bed, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray like they did in the garden. So I, which sometimes actually works. You should, you should go to sleep praying. It actually works. But uh, so, I, so I decide to pray later, and uh, what do you know? I don't pray. The next day, I uh, don't pray, and all of a sudden, it just kind of gets lost. And I know some of your goals that you make, maybe it's like physical fitness or maybe it's uh, spiritual goals or family goals. You want to get closer to your family, talk to your kids once, once a day. And a lot of times they just kind of fall on the wayside. You just kind of forget. And you can, you can think about it, but you just kind of forget. And you know there's a lot of things that contribute to that failing. Uh, and one of the biggest things is overcommitment. You're committed to too many things. I was trying to study this and this and this. And it just, just kind of fails. But we're going to see with Simeon and Anna how just a simple act of obedience equals a great action for God. It's just so simple. I love it. So uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 2 once again. We're going to go verse by verse. Uh, so again, if you want to say amen, you agree with that, we're going to go right through the Bible. Go ahead. If you want to shout hallelujah, hallelujah, go ahead. You can do that. Student section, that's your cue. Hallelujah. Come on, Levi. <laughs> all right cool all right luke chapter 2 verse 21 it says and when eight days had passed before his circumcision his name was then called jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb it was the jewish custom to or levitical custom to uh circumcise the children the guys when they were eight days old um some people still do that today they'll make sure they wait till eight days um Luke 2, 22, let's keep reading. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. We call this today child dedication. This is where we say, God, we're giving you our child. We're committing our parenting style. We're committing our lives to you. And we ask that you'd help us, give us your strength. This is what they were doing. It's uh, found in Exodus 13.2. It says, sanctify to me every firstborn. It also talks about, uh, uh, in verse 24, talks about offering a sacrifice. Offering a sacrifice. So they're giving him to God, saying, God, this is yours. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So uh, what happens is they go, and after 40 days, they're required to go to the temple and make a sin offering and make a burnt offering. This is what the custom was, and it was to purify them. Um, so the problem was they only had a little bit of money. Uh, Joseph was a carpenter, and he made a little bit, but they were very, very, very heavily taxed. How many of you can relate to that? Very heavily taxed back then. And so they couldn't afford a lamb, so what they did was they spent like $7.50, like five shekels, to buy a uh, two, 
uh, pigeons or turtle doves. They bought these so they can make those a sacrifice. That was an acceptable sacrifice to God in place of that. So we're going to meet Simeon now. Everybody say Simeon. Cool. Verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and he was devout. I'll say it again. He was righteous and he was devout. We didn't know anything else about him. He was righteous and devout. He was looking for the consolation of Israel, basically looking for Jesus to return and save Israel from the oppression of the Romans. Consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. We don't know a lot about Simeon. I would compare it to, uh, how many of you have an Instagram or a Twitter? Raise your hand. I said this in first service and no hands went up because they were all in the older generation. <laughs> so you guys kind of understand this. So with, with Instagram and Twitter and not really Facebook, there's something called a follower to friend ratio or a uh, follower to being followed ratio. So let's say you click on my Instagram. You want to see my pictures. Oh, cool. It's captions or Twitter. You want to see my quotes. Then I have a number. It's like a badge of honor. I'm popular, so I can have this many people who like what I have to say or like my pictures. So let's say you have 500 people following you, but then you are following 10,000 people. Uh, those people who understand follower ratios, is that good or bad? That's bad. That means that you are not very popular, and that means that no one wants to see what you have to say. Okay, Or your pictures. Your pictures are junk. So use some filters, man. So this this is what happens. And, and, and so I recently, like, I don't know about you, but there's some times where I just kind of, like, get rid of all my social media, just kind of a cleanse. And I did that, like, a year ago, and I never was interested in getting back to Instagram. But I did recently, and I found myself doing this for the third time. It's basically purging all the people that I follow so my ratio looks good. I don't know if you've done that, but that is the most conceited and vain thing you could do ever. So I did that. Maybe I unfollowed some of you. I'm sorry, but you wouldn't see it. You're still following me, though, so you're welcome. Um, so what I did was I went through and I, I purged it, and, and now my ratio is pretty good, whatever. And this is called the golden ratio or the TFF, the Twitter follower friend ratio. Um, so there's a couple reasons why you unfollow somebody. And if you agree with these, you can say amen, you can raise your hand, you can say hallelujah or something. So there's a couple reasons you stop following people. Number one, overposting. Overposting. You post way too many things, man. Okay, I don't care about your shoes. Uh, political stuff. This is, is, I'll make an exception to Mr. Femi Abadeli. I love his stuff, okay? I love the arguments you see in his threads. Uh, he handles it well. Political stuff, okay? The ones that say, I don't usually post political stuff, but here's a paragraph and a research paper on why I hate this person. How about chain letters? If you don't know what those are, they basically you're saying you have a picture you post and it says, if you don't repost this five times, you're going to get scurvy and Jesus will disown you. Oh, I, I better, I better repost that. Okay, I'll repost it. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't work. Uh, vague posts. Vague means, oh, guys, this is the worst day ever, dot, dot, dot. And if somebody like trying to get a response, it's like just send your best your best friend a text. Just say, "Hey, I'm not having a good day. Don't post it on Facebook, okay? You're not going to get any comments. You're going to feel more lonely." <laughs> uh, poor spelling. 
A couple people. Okay. Humble bragging. So basically someone posts a picture of their vacation or their Christmas presents or their new car and they post it and say, God is so good. And they have like, they're just sitting there in their vacation in Maldives. It's annoying. Uh, selfies. They take it in every room, in their home, in every place known to man. They just take it. And the last one is marketing overload. They post a million times a day about their church, about their pyramid scheme. Lip scent, sorry. I'm kidding. Uh, sorry, Morgan. Uh, <laughs> or, their, or their business, okay? They're trying to start their business. That's okay. That's cool. But marketing overload, too much. Uh, so once you go through all your followers, you decide what you don't like, what you do like, you have your follower-to-friend ratio, Okay. All right. So some people who have a lot of followers, a lot of followers are really good at this. Uh, the number one person on Instagram with the most followers is Selena Gomez. She has 130 million followers. That's more than most countries in the entire world. Okay. Uh, the United States, I think, has like 300 or so million people. That's a lot of people. Uh, uh, the number one person to follow on Twitter, you don't have to do it, but this person has the most, is Katy Perry with 94.5 million, and Justin Bieber's number two at 90.2 million. They want to know everything about their life. They care about everything. Um, but the thing about Simeon is that he had no followers. None. Okay? His profile picture was probably like a picture of a ham or something. Like, he had not, nobody wanted to know what he had to say. Misspellings. He probably reposted. About Jesus coming back, Jesus coming back, Jesus coming back. Overload is too much. Nobody wanted to follow this dude. Simeon was not somebody that people followed. And the cool thing about Simeon is that uh, he, he wasn't so concerned with how many people were following him. He wasn't so concerned from, from what I see. It's not written in the Bible. But from when I, when I see that the Bible says he was righteous and devout, we see Simeon's values. He was righteous and he was devout. And I don't know about you, but I want to, when I, when I get to heaven and I ask God, like, hey, God, um, when you look at my life, what did I love? What did I, what did I do? What, how would you describe me? I don't want God to say, Isaiah, you love shoes. I can tell you do. Or Isaiah, you, you, you rock that man bun. Or, or, or I, didn't, I don't like that man bun, Isaiah. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'd want to say, I want God to say, you are righteous and devout. The word... The Greek word righteous is dikaios. This means to be obedient to the commands of God. Obedient to the commands of God. He was obedient. Devout means yulabes. Can you say that? Yulabes. It sounds Spanish. Taking hold of what is good. Reverence or respect for God. This is basically an act of worship. And fear of God. He feared God. He did what was good, and he obeyed his commands. God really values those things we see in Simeon's life. He really does. And we're going to see the result of that. So at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, the only thing that matters is what God thinks about us. Now, how many followers we have, not how many uh, people are, are know us at church, not how popular we are, not our political status, not our, uh, not our job status, not how high we raise in the ranks, but were you obedient? Was I obedient, God? Was I righteous? Was I devout? Did I follow you closely, God, with the, with the way that I love my wife? Did I do that well? God's not going to look at how you jumped around at the church. He's going to say, did you love your wife, Isaiah? 
He's going to say to you, did you, did you uh, treat your employees well? Did you pay them fairly? He's going to look at those things. Are you righteous and devout? Are you obedient? The simple, small things. That's what God cares about. So I, I have a sense of, you know, if it, it, just the kind of assumption. But if Simeon, if God had like a billion Twitter accounts, he would follow Simeon with all of them, okay? He would follow him with all of them. But, uh, you know, if, if I had, uh, if Simeon had a billion Twitter accounts or Instagrams or whatever, uh, I have a feeling he would follow God with all of them. He wouldn't follow anybody else. He would say, Holy Spirit, I want to see what you're posting. I want to see what you're saying. I want to know where you're going. I want to know the places that you're checked in at. I want to know what you're doing today. What are you doing today? I want to be there. I want to be your biggest fan. That's who Simeon was. That's who he was. Let's go to verse 26. Verse 26 says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, he received the revelation, that he would not see death. Before he had seen the Lord's Christ, he was invincible. He could probably run in front of a wagon and not be like run down. He knew that he had to see Jesus before he died. This man, he probably, I I would assume that if the Holy Spirit told me that, dude, I'd be going and jumping off things. I'd be going and and jumping in shallow water. I'd be doing everything. It'd be so fun. Okay. Verse 27, 28. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents, I'll just stop there. The temple is, uh, the, temple is the, the place where you go. There's different courts of the temple. There's the, uh, the court of the uh, Gentiles, where the Gentiles could go in. The court of women, where the women could go in. Then there was the, uh, the court of the Israel, where the men could go in. And then the court of the priests. And that was the deepest place. And it was assumed that they probably were in the court of women when uh, Simeon approached them because Mary was still with them. It's kind of a backstory. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God. Took him into his arms and blessed God. Let's go to verse 29. And he said this, and this is called, and this, people say this, this prayer of Simeon's is called Nunc Demetis. Nunc Demetis. I don't know who, who named that Latin crazies. All right. Verse 29. It says, he said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. He finally would get some rest. He had been looking. He had been searching for Jesus everywhere, looking in the stars, reading the prophecies in, in the scriptures. And he was looking and he said, finally, now I get some peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. And I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I felt this peace. When I met Jesus, I felt a peace from my depression. I felt a peace from my, my uh, anxiety. I felt a peace from my sin, from my eternal destination, a peace from my uh, current struggles and, and maybe uh, the lack of self-confidence. And God just gave me a whole new viewpoint on life. And God did that for me. He did that for some of you, and he can do that for you today. He changed his viewpoint totally around. It's amazing. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He saw salvation. He saw the little baby, 40 days old, maybe 48 days old, Jesus. He saw salvation. Salvation is not a church. Salvation is not a method. Salvation is not love. Salvation is not all these things. It's Jesus. Jesus is our salvation. 
Jesus is the one who set us free, who forgave us, who died for our sins, and who lived a life that was worthy. You know how hard that is to live a life of perf- perfection? He didn't just not do the things that were, were wrong. He did all the things that were right. That is the hardest part. I mean, being perfect by not doing all the bad things, that's okay. Like, I could see somebody doing that. Maybe, like, Levi or, or somebody, like, with long hair, like, cool, like that. Uh. But for someone to like to not to do everything that was good, they sent thank you cards. Every single person who gave them a gift, they they uh, said thank you. They shook hands. They were friendly when they had a when they even when they didn't feel like it. Like that's amazing. That's amazing for someone to do that and to deny themselves daily for me. That's amazing. That's really amazing. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Verse thirty one, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. I mean, they had heard it from the angels and God had spoke to each of them, but they were still amazed at these things. They were, they were probably like, wow, this is being confirmed again. This is for real. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, he said, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. Your faith in Christ will be opposed. When you share about Jesus, when you live a life that's worthy of the calling that God's given for you, it's going to be opposed. The Bible says that Jesus is a cornerstone. So you can either step on that stone and not be shaken, or you can walk into that stone and make it a stumbling stone. The Bible says it, it was a stumbling stone to the Gentiles and, and to, the, to the Jews because the Jews were looking for all this things, these things that made sense. And the Gentiles were looking for like feeling and these, these things. But the stumbling stone that Jesus that says that Jesus could be was because people were foolish and not looking for him. People are going to see your faith as a stumbling stone. They're not going to like it, but that's okay. Simeon knew it and he prophesied that and it came true. The Bible says in John 1, 11, it says he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. But to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When he came to the, his people and he said, I'm your, sa- I'm your savior, and God revealed to them, they didn't want any part of it. And your family may be like that. Your school may be like that. Your, your job may be like that. But Simeon prophesied this and he lived it. He lived it. He cared what God thought about him. Small steps of obedience. It, we see something really, really interesting about Simeon. Uh, I just want to ask you a question today. And this is kind of a random question, but it's how when you look through the verses, uh, random things come out. And it's not a topical sermon, so things just come out while you're reading. But one of the things that comes out is that Simeon cares about Gentiles. In verse 32, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. So Simeon, this, this Jew... He was a Jewish guy. Uh, the Gentiles were like enemies. They, they didn't like each other. They didn't agree. And the Jews were God's chosen people. But Simeon senses by the Holy Spirit that God cares about Gentiles as well. These people that they didn't like, these, these people who are different color skin, these people who had different language, that, that they, they didn't practice, they didn't worship the same way, but he cared about them. And I want to ask you this question. If Simeon cared about lost souls... What am I personally doing to show I care for lost souls outside of our church walls? Or that one more time. What am I personally doing? If Simeon is an example of someone who is righteous and devout, 
What are we personally doing to show we care for lost souls outside of our church walls? What are we doing to show that we care? That's convicting to me because, you know, I, I used to, to work and I had a, uh, I worked in, in parking and some of the high schoolers in here used to, used to work for me and we had fun in the cold and today would have been crazy in the cold, uh, dealing tickets and stuff at the CenturyLink Center. But I had a lot of people working for me and that was my church. That was the people that I ministered to, lost souls, people who needed Jesus. But now that I'm working at a church, I struggle with that. I struggle with looking for opportunities to find lost people. And you hear, you hear pastors, you hear people who do this for a living on stage speaking to you about reaching lost souls. And some of you are thinking, do you even reach lost souls or just the people who come into your church? I don't know about you, but I've thought that about myself. And I say, God, where would you want me to go? Besides this church, where would you want me to go? Is it, is it the, the, the basketball, uh, basketball court on Friday nights with, with Skylar Hogan? We're trying to set that up with Sudanese. Is it um, with Miss Pam Franks uh, during the week with the, with the kids? Is it, is it uh, with Miss Jenny on Wednesdays serving lunch to homeless people and praying for them? Where is it, God? Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to reach lost people? That's a question that we see. A believer is concerned with lost souls. Simeon is concerned with lost souls. Let's go to verse 35. This verse is kind of, it's a little bit confusing, um, but we assume that the sword here is the word of God. It says, then a sword will pierce even your own soul, talking to the parents, to the end, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And if you understand uh, Hebrews 4.12, it says, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart that means when the word of god comes in it divides it divides are you going to follow and be obedient or are you going to continue to live the same way are you going to follow in and do what i say or look for this christ child look for jesus every single day or are you going to continue to live your life how you always lived it when you read the word of god it can divide it divides your thoughts and attitudes of your heart Verse 36, uh, we're going to switch to Anna here. I just want you to think while we talk about Anna about some similarities you might see, okay? So some similarities you might see between Anna and Simeon. There was a prophetess, Anna. Can you guys say Anna? One more time, say Anna. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And Asher was one of the uh, 10 tribes who were scattered from Israel, and she happened to come back with them. And there's not a mention of Phanuel. Phanuel is, can be confused for a place called Peniel. It's, it's in the Old Testament. When Jacob was wrestling with God, he named that place Peniel. This is not the same person. Some people think it's not the same thing. This guy is never, ever uh, mentioned in the Bible aside from this place. So from this nobody, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years. People think that she was about 84 to 100 years old. She was very old. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. This is a confusing part. And then as a widow to the age of 84. So she could either be 84 or she could be older than that. Either widowed for 84 years or she was widowed for 80, uh, she was 84 when she was widowed. Uh, she never left the temple. This is the cool thing about Anna. She never left the temple. This is the, the Kamade church, the sanctuary. She never left there. Serving night and day with fastings and prayer. She never left. 
She didn't remarry. She didn't go out and search for happiness. She didn't go search for her, her next husband. She stayed in the temple 84 years fasting and praying. That's the heart of somebody who loves Jesus. They, they, they care more about what God thinks than what people think. They care more about their own desires, their own needs, and they go and they do what God is telling them to do. That's amazing. It's interesting um, how Pastor Walt and I were kind of talking about this. It's interesting how just the simple practical things. She went to the temple and they were, both her and Simeon, they were going constantly. Just those simple uh, mundane things that you do every single day, God shows up in those things. He does. Every single day you go to work, it's the same thing. Every single Sunday, it's the same thing. But God shows up in those practical everyday places, doesn't he? He shows up. And when you're looking for him, you're constantly looking for Holy Spirit. Where are you going? What are you thinking? What, what do you want me to do? That's what they were doing every single place. Practical obedience. When you go to church, when you go to group, when you go to your prayer meeting, we're going to do this 21 day fasting and prayer starting in a couple of weeks here. And that's going to be a moment for us to fast and pray just like Anna did and draw near to God so we can hear his Holy Spirit. Verse 38, and we're going to come to a close at these last few verses. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So she was immediately obedient, led by the Holy Spirit, and she began to speak of this Jesus. Verse 39, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Today we're going to do something uh, a little bit different. Again, I said at the beginning, this is not a New Year's resolution. This is a New Year's revelation. Amen. So when a new, the difference is a New Year's resolution is saying, God, I want to do better. And so I want to make these goals. And I want to accomplish these goals so I can become, become better. But uh, revelation is, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What are your goals? What are your plans? And please help me to fulfill these goals that you have. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says Lord Almighty. That's the difference between a resolution and a revelation from God. I want you to, in your bulletins, you have those sheets of paper. Uh, would you just get those out right now? We're going to uh, begin to pray and look at those. There's a story uh, about a, a man who whose wife is like extremely anxious, and she's always thinking that someone's about to break in the house. They put up these lights. They, they uh, lock the doors. They have extra locks, three padlocks on their front door, and they just are locked down. She does not want anyone to get in the house. And for, for 20 years, she, they, every single night, she said, make sure you lock the doors. Somebody might be breaking this. He said, okay, well, I'll go lock the doors, whatever. One night, they're laying in bed, and they hear a huge crash. And somebody had broken down the door. And they can hear them rummaging around in the living room, taking their things and, and packing them up. So the husband boldly walks down the stairs and stares this person right in the eye. And when they look, they meet eyes. Husband looks at him. He said, hey, how you doing? The guy's like, what? What do you mean? I'm taking your stuff. What do you mean? How am I doing? I'm doing good. He's like, hey, can you do something for me? He's like, uh, sure. And he's like, hey, 
uh, my wife's been waiting for you for like 20 years. Can you come meet her real quick? She wants to, she wants to, <laughs> she's been waiting for you. Come up and, come up and meet her. So he's really confused, but he goes up and meets her and the wife, uh, finally, uh, sees that somebody broke in. And even though she had put a lock on those doors and they put all these things up, they couldn't keep this person out. And you know, Jesus is, is not a, not a thief. He'll wait. But, you know, sometimes we just lock him out and we say, God, you know what? I know you called me to be a missionary. I know you called me to be a ministry. I know you called me to, to go to school and to get this degree so I can live for your kingdom. I know, God, that you called me to go and minister downtown in the cold to homeless people. I know, God, that you told me to go minister to my family who I'm uh, away from right now or my spouse who I'm separated from. And we put locks on our doors and, and we're expecting somebody to come in, but... We need to take those locks off the doors and say, Jesus, come on in. Come on in. Why don't you show us today? Reveal to us today what what you want me to do, where you want me to go. So today, what we're going to do with those sheets of paper is we're going to ask three questions. And we're just going to be silent for a little bit in this big room with a bunch of people. We're just going to try to take a little bit moment in this little phone booth of our own and look at those pieces of paper. Close our eyes and just try to listen for an impression, a feeling, a leading, a thought, a plan that the Holy Spirit might give you for 2018. The first question I'd like you to think about as you pray is this. It's, what is one action God wants you to take in 2018? What is one action, just one, not too many, just one, action that God wants you to take in 2018? Number two, what is one negative thing that is keeping you from taking action? Maybe it's you want to go to church every week, but your job prevents you from doing that. You have control over those things. Maybe it's uh, you you want to, to to lose weight, something really practical, so you can so you can minister to people uh, on the mission trip that you've always wanted to go on. Or maybe it's uh, God, I want to learn how to play music so I can worship you with my talents. And it's just saying, God, I, I just need to sign up for a class. But Second question, what is one negative thing that is keeping you from taking action? Number three, how will you accomplish this action one step at a time? I like to say bite-sized pieces, bite-sized pieces. What small thing that will take you to this wildly important thing? One wildly important thing. What's one small way you can get to there? Remember, this is not a New Year's resolution, so please pray about this. And uh, I pray the Holy Spirit would reveal this to you. Just take a few moments in your own space there and just, uh, just pray and ask the Holy Spirit.
conceited plans that bring glory to ourselves, but something that uh, spreads your kingdom. God, Holy Spirit, speak to us. still thinking we're still listening god i pray you continue to speak to each one of us on on what revelation you want us to have for 2018 how to be obedient god and what are some speak to us holy spirit i pray god that each person would respond and take action lord that you be glorified in their lives every single way Today as we pray, if, if you feel like God is just leading you in a certain area, God's spoken to you or is speaking to you, can you just lift one hand so we can pray together as we close today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we want to say yes. We want to be obedient. Lord, we want to say yes just like Simeon, just like Anna. We say yes to you, Lord. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Be in control. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Control us. Lead us in the specific areas, in the timings, God. Lead us in the relationships. Lead us in growing closer to you, Lord, in every single way, God, 2018. Thank you for all that you've done in 2017, the the hardships that you brought us through, the amazing things that you've taught us in those seasons. God, the, the amazing blessings that you've given us, we're so blessed, God. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Pastor Isaiah, how many of you know God is no respecter of age?